Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Uh, Melinda and I are here today to have a chat. Thanks for joining us again, everybody. It's uh, Brisbane Market Update time, so you will be hearing a little bit more of my voice than Scott's voice again today. Wow, exciting times, everyone. Last week we... uh, I think it was last week we talked about building and renos and I had a little bit of a say there and um, I probably got my voice in there quite a lot more. But today's data time and it's Melinda's favourite time where she talks data and updates on the, the property market. So um, we might just jump into it straight away if you like and if you can give us a bit of a general sort of rundown on what's been happening since the last market update. Uh, and there has actually been quite a few things happening out there in the big wide world of finance and, and of property. It has been a massive month in terms of um, changes in sentiment and changes in the media messaging, changes in forecasts. There's so much that has turned around since we did our last monthly update a month ago. So let's run through some of those things now. Um, One of the more recent updates, ANZ economists have now Uh, turned around their forecasts. They were originally predicting price falls of up to 10%. Now they're predicting price growth of 9.5%. That's here in Brisbane across the next 12 months. So brace yourselves for some of that. Look, forecasts are just that, but you know, what we need to do is overlay what the banks are saying with what we're seeing on the ground in terms of buyer depth and market activity. And that's what we hope to unpack today, just to help you understand what is happening out there if you're not out on the ground every weekend and in the market every day like we are. So another thing that sort of happened this month, there's been a huge reduction in loan deferrals. And I know that's been something that through our own inquiry, there's been a lot of concern around what might happen when all of these people come off these uh, payment re- or repayment holidays. Now, the Commonwealth Bank, um, for example, they've only got 52,000 loans Uh, that are remaining on deferrals from a total of 210,000 originally that were deferred. So that's a decline of 75%. Um, Now, home lending deferrals fell 51% just in October. So that's when a lot of them were due to expire anyway. So that's actually a really good sign. It's down from 6% of all loans now to just 2.9% of all loans across the Commonwealth Bank portfolio. And so if we quantify that in terms of the loan balances, it's down from a total of 8% of all loan balances to around 4% of all loan balances. So you can see that ongoing risk of, you know, um, forced selling, it seems to be disappearing as time goes on and more people, you know, go back to normal repayments. Um, another thing to note that the Commonwealth Bank, as of the 31st of October, um, they indicated that 38% of all deferred loans were actually in Victoria. So it's relative to the areas that the virus um, has not been contained as well. So again, uh, minimises risk and exposure for property owners here in Brisbane when a larger proportion you know, are focused on the Victorian market. So It does seem like things are normalising in this area and um, obviously as time goes on, we should see more of those deferred loans coming back into normal repayments as well. The other thing that's happened um, since we've last completed our update is that lending data has come out and shown a further surge 
owner-occupier lending has now risen to historical highs. So this is excluding refinancing, but there's never been a greater amount of um, lending in Australia. Predominantly in Queensland, the activity is being driven by first home buyers as well. The lending numbers for this cohort are up 70% year on year. So that is huge activity in that first home buyer space. Um, investor borrowing is up only 5%, but we're still at um, quite low volumes for investor lending compared with owner-occupier lending. So the market, according to the lending data, is still being driven by owner-occupiers. And that's definitely something that we're also seeing out on the ground in terms of who the buyers are that um, are out every weekend and competing for the properties. Now, of course, let's not forget Melbourne Cup Day. We saw a further rate cut. Uh, many of the banks have also passed on those rate cuts through further reductions in interest rates. And, you know, there's some banks that are offering interest rates with a one in front. That was absolutely unheard of, especially mm. when we go back to think um, when Scott first borrowed, what did you borrow at? 19%. People that are borrowing money today would not even consider having to pay interest rates at 19%. So, you know, with interest rates as low as they are, money is very cheap for those that can um, access the money. And finally, what's also changed in this space is that consumer sentiment has completely turned around and it's surged to seven year highs. So consumers are so much more confident all of a sudden. There's all of this talk about a vaccine that is going to be available sooner than we all predicted. And I think it's just resulted in a massive turnaround in buyer sentiment. So my general summary of that, from what I probably see here, and I'm not the data person at all, but the people we're, we're tending to see buying property at the moment um, or properties that are that are selling, they're not selling because they're forced to sell. Um, they're probably selling because they're upsizing, changing lifestyle. Um, there's also those investors that are coming back into the market as well. Um, and my last bit on that is money is free. Um, when, free. When, when I've come from 19% um, to what it is now, uh, I, I, I pretty much class it as, as free money to, to borrow. So um, so for, on the back of all of that um, that information, what does it actually mean um, for people when they're buying property, especially here in Brisbane? Look, I think there's absolutely no doubt that the turnaround based on all of these indicators is that buyers are confident. They're really confident and they are out in force ready to make a buying decision. They're also cashed up, you know, with every rate cut that we see, it gives the ability for borrowers to um, increase their borrowing capacity that little bit more. So it's really important to understand that, you know, with every rate cut, people can borrow that little bit more. It drives the market up again and it adds fuel to the fire effectively. Um, there's also a lot of buyers, you know, so yes, we've got um, confident buyers, they're cashed up, but there's a lot of them. And I expect on the back of some of this really positive sentiment that's coming through, we're going to see more and more of them as time goes forward. Now, like every year, um, people will go on um, or change focus coming into December as they start to wind back and think about Christmas. But I do expect um, early in 2021 that we're going to see a new surge of buyers come through who are cashed up and are ready to make a purchasing decision. 
And off the back of that, um, I also see, you know, strong activity coming through the Brisbane market right through 2021. Yeah, there's actually a lot of, um, when we do talk about things like listings and, and numbers of buyers and things like that, just talking to a lot of the agents at the moment uh, in the local Brisbane area, there seems to be a lot of confidence that 2021, there will be a lot of properties coming onto the market. So that's a good thing. There's a lot of buyers out there. I, I think that people will probably look at it and think that we're back to a normal sort of life now. Um, and um, it might change that whole, uh, the side of the uh, the listings and properties available. Yeah, I think one of the biggest concerns for sellers recently is that, you know, yes, they may be considering uh, selling. However, when there is nothing to buy, they really hold back on making that decision because they want to know that if they sell, they've got something or somewhere that they can go to. And because of the current market, the listings are lower than they were 12 months ago. There's less stock to choose from. So if you're looking to sell, it's very hard to to then buy very quickly. And even if you're looking to transition by renting for six months, it's a lot of areas where rental vacancy is so low that it's even hard to get a rental property at times. So it's all, all of these factors combined contribute to these big decisions as to whether you're going to buy or sell at a particular point in time. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to be sitting out of the market for too long. Um, with the way the market is at the moment, if you are selling, um, I'd, I'd want to be jumping back in that market pretty quick. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm certainly a, um, you're seeing it on the ground and seeing some of the properties that we're appraising and what they're selling for. You know, this this market is moving very quickly. And I would say in the last six weeks, we've seen a significant turnaround, even in some of the prices that are being achieved. And I definitely think right now, there's far less concern here in Brisbane about this fiscal cliff. I think there has been a lot of talk about that in the months up until recently where we had concern about people coming off JobKeeper and JobSeeker and the scaling back of those, that government support and obviously also talking about the um, mortgage deferrals that were all due to expire around the same time. But there seems to be less um, concern and less focus on those elements. And now people are more focused on trying to get into the market before it does shift because it is moving and it is moving rapidly in some areas. Um, so did you want to uh, jump into some of the data here? I know you'd love to jump into the data, um, but if we if we have a look and um, we're just reflecting some of the data and just to show what it's actually showing us at the moment. Yes, and this is really important and I want to emphasise that this data is retrospective. It is at least 30 days old. By the time data is published, data is based on settled sales. It may no longer be relevant when you are in a rapidly moving market. So I just wanted to make that point. But um, let's have a look first of all at median price growth. And we're looking at CoreLogic data again up until the 31st of October when it was last published. So the month of October in the housing market in Brisbane and this is Greater Brisbane, we saw an increase of 0.6% across the month, um, which rounded out at an annual return of 4.3% in the Brisbane market. Now, the unit market is slightly different, and this is why I like to break it down into the housing market and the unit market so that buyers understand the difference. The month of October saw a decline in the unit market of negative 0.1% and rounding out across the year, that showed a decline of negative 0.3% in the unit market. So slightly different performance in houses versus units here in Brisbane. And the um, the median price growth on those? 
So we saw at the moment the median house price in Brisbane is $564,000. Now that is for Greater Brisbane and we have broken down that median price um, by local government area previously. We've got more episodes where we're going to give some of our listeners a better understanding of that. Um, But in the unit space, again, across Greater Brisbane, 389,000 is the current median value. I've just rounded those to the nearest, um, you know, $1,000 figure there. Yeah, so those that don't know about Greater Brisbane, we'll we'll do an episode on um, Greater Brisbane and break it down so you get an understanding about that. Um, It's it's very interesting to, um, if you don't know Brisbane that well, um, how it is broken down and the area that it covers of Greater Brisbane. And also the price point. I mean, we have a lot of inquiry through our buyer's agent service that, you know, people want to buy within a 10-kilometre ring of the Brisbane CBD and they look at the median value that CoreLogic puts out and they think that that's achievable here in Brisbane, Um, but it's actually not. You need to move much further away than 10 kilometres from the CBD to be buying at sort of $560,000 unless there's some compromise on the property. It's very unlikely that you're going to get a house, freestanding house, uh, within 10 kilometres of the CBD for that median value, which is the median value across greater Brisbane, not the Brisbane local government area. So so we touched on earlier, you mentioned about uh, being out of the market and vacancy rates. And um, what about the rental market, that sort of things? Yeah, look, vacancy continues to tighten here in Brisbane in the housing market, especially outside of the, the CBD. So we've got so many regions now where you've got vacancy rates less than 1%. We are seeing it in our own purchases for clients who are investors when they list their properties for rent. They are receiving multiple applications from tenants because there's such tight vacancy So some of the corridors in Greater Brisbane that have vacancy rates at the moment of less than 1% include the Beanley Corridor, the Ipswich Corridor, Northern Brisbane and Southeastern Brisbane. The only two locations in Greater Brisbane where we've got vacancy rates above 3%, which is typically considered um, an equal number of properties available for the number of tenants that require them, Um, So the two areas that are potentially at risk for higher vacancy is inner Brisbane, and that's a vacancy rate of 3.9%, and the Brisbane CBD, and that's a vacancy rate of 8.1%. So you can see that um, that higher density um, investment unit market is the area that is still most at risk here in Brisbane for vacancy. And of course, if you do own those types of properties, or if you are looking to purchase those properties as an investor, you must factor in these higher vacancies because if your property is vacant, you are not um, receiving an income, you are not receiving rent, and that's going to impact on your net yield. So you will still have all of your outgoings that you have to pay and you have to factor that vacancy rate in as an investor. But of course, as I mentioned, with a lot of areas um, where vacancy rates are less than 1%, you, you really don't have... Um, a lot of time if your tenant is moving out um, whilst the property is vacant because there's such high demand from tenants and not enough properties to cover uh, the number of tenants that are looking. Yeah, and just driving around some of those um, inner CBD areas, West End and all those areas, there's still actually a lot of unit developments happening in that area. Mm. Not as many as there was in previous years, but um, they are still going up. So there's still going to be that supply is still actually is actually happening and it's still generating in those areas as well. 
And I do think it is more of a short-term risk and it's simply because uh, typically the people that reside in those um, types of places as tenants are your international students and those in the hospitality um, industry. Now, they are the, the big um, areas that have been impacted by COVID-19. We do expect there to be, you know, some sort of recovery in terms of vacancy once the borders reopen, especially to uh, the international borders. So it's definitely something to keep in mind if you are an investor in that area. Yeah, that's a good point because a lot of the locals uh, in Brisbane do like to live in a house. Uh, not so much units, but generally people up this way do like a, a house and, and a block of land. Yeah, it's, I think it's perhaps it's a generational thing and some of the younger generation might be more uh, willing to compromise and, and live in a unit, but certainly anyone that has a family, um, generally speaking, uh, they're looking for a house with a unit. So what about the changes in rent? Uh, what sort of changes have we seen on that side? There's obviously a a high demand and it's a tight market. So is it, has it changed that side of things? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, supply and demand drives prices, whether you're looking at property prices or rental prices. So I've got CoreLogic data here between March the 31st and October the 31st. And what we can see for Brisbane is that there has been a slight increase in the um, rent that houses have achieved across Greater Brisbane. That increase has been 0.6%. It is different in the unit market. Again, it's all based on supply and demand. And if we've got higher vacancy, we've got higher supply, um, and that generally puts downward pressure on prices. And in the Brisbane market, we've seen a decline in the rents achieved between March and October this year of negative 1.7%. So remember, it is always relevant to supply and demand when it comes to price movements, whether that's for house price growth or rental price growth. So um, what about locally, I guess? If we, if we go from what we're, what we're seeing on data and that sort of things, what about locally on the ground? We've, we get out and about to auctions, um, open homes, negotiations, all those types of things. Um, there's a lot of people out and about, I must admit, uh, whether it's off market, on market, but uh, there is a lot of uh, people out and about at the moment. Auctions um, up to that $1.5 million mark, Seems to be a lot of interest in that area and a lot of people are going to auction for that price range. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, to go to auction and bid at auction, it is not the most common form of sale here in Brisbane. But I think um, for those that have the capacity to bid at auction, um, I do encourage buyers to be um, ready to bid because a lot of properties in the current market, it is a strong seller's market. You know, agents will take it to auction um, if they believe they can achieve the best price by creating competition. Now, just some auctions that we've attended in the last few weeks um, have indicated that the buyer depth is really, really strong. I mean, we were just at an auction last week where they were in-room auctions actually and there were a couple of uh, properties that were selling on that particular night. Um, one of the properties um had 20 registered bidders. Now that did sell and that means 19 buyers left in the market. Um, the other property I believe had 12 or 13 registered bidders. But actually, Scott, tell us the story about that other yeah, property so because it was a fascinating thing to watch. There, there was actually two auctions that night in-house. The, the first one was at a um, Stafford Heights. It's just on the north of um, the CBD. Um, it, uh, it was a property, I think there was about 15 registered. I, I didn't get the final numbers on that one, but I think there was about 15 registered on it. 
and it it ended up selling for nine hundred eighty thousand five hundred. Now at about I think it was the nine thirty mark, the bids actually went to five hundred thousand. No, five hundred. Oh, sorry, five hundred dollar bids increments, and and, yeah. and it went from nine hundred thirty up. What's that? Fifty thousand five hundred in five hundred dollar bids. Yeah. It it just went on and on and on, and it kept going, and it snowballed, and there was a couple of little bits where they went, you know, a couple of thousand, a little bit higher, but it generally stayed around those smaller bids, uh, and it went for yeah for ninety thousand five hundred, which was amazing to see that uh, that property. The second one again it was on the North Gordon Park. Uh, it was a two bedroom renovator, uh, Queenslander house. You couldn't demolish anything, so it had to be a, a renovator. There was twenty registered bidders. And that one sold, uh, how many bids was there? There was four bids, four bids. on that. <laughs> it was completely um, a different strategy. And, in fact, there were two buyer's agents bidding. Um, so I think that they were wipe, trying to, to get ahead and wipe out the, the rest of the, the the bidding competition. But, um, you know, then the, one of the other buyers that was there that wasn't a buyer's agent came in with a $50,000 bid. Um, over that 800,000 bid and that was it. There yeah. were no more bids. So four bids for that one and it actually sold for $850,000. Um, and as Scott mentioned, full renovated on that one and, yeah, a very different type of auction. Um, the auctioneer definitely, you know, took that buyer well above what anyone else was prepared to pay on the night. Yeah, and 20 registered bidders, which mm. is amazing. So so the auctioneer worked for his uh, dollar on the first one. Um, the second one, I think he wanted to get home to watch the State of Origin pretty quick <laughs> and wrapped it up as fast as he could. And got a good result for the seller. So, the, yeah, the sellers were, were stoked. They were very happy with that one after speaking to the agent. Uh, so as you can see, they there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of buyers. There's a lot of people registering for, for auctions. Um, and the other thing we're seeing at the moment is, is multi-offer for, um, multiple offers. Yeah, I think if you're in the market and you're seeing something that's listed, um, you most likely need to be prepared to be making an offer alongside others. Multiple offer is not um, uncommon right now. And in fact, most properties um, that are listed are going to multiple offer if the agent um, provides sufficient time. I know there's some instances uh, where you know a property will list and the agent will just take um, a cash offer upfront very quickly. Um, there's advantages and disadvantages to that. Obviously, the advantages um, are that the seller gets a very quick and immediate um, result. However, if other buyers haven't had a chance to review that property, then there can be disadvantages to a seller in accepting that first offer that comes in. So, in a seller's market, you know, you want to give sellers time to see the opportunity. But from our perspective as buyers agents, definitely, you know, jumping on a property and being able to secure it up front quickly is, is always advantageous because you can cut out the competition. But anything that is going um, to the first open home generally on the first weekend, um, a lot of property, a lot of properties are selling either that weekend or on the Monday under multiple offer. Now, as a buyer, there's a number of things that you can do under a multiple offer situation to best position your offer um, and it mainly comes around tightening up your terms you know making sure that you've got a nice clean contract tighten up that uh, building and pest the finance clause cash offers talk but never make a cash offer unless you genuinely um, understand the property and any problems associated with the property and you also have the, the financial capacity to do so and that the bank's not going to withdraw funding because you will be in breach of contract if you can't fulfill that contract and we have covered contract um, 
Queensland contracts in an earlier episode in this podcast. So if you missed that, I suggest you go back and um, review that one with Katie Richards that we covered from Virtual Legal. Yeah, so I think I think a tip on that is, um, and we do it as Melinda said. We try and get a lot of pre markets as well. Some agents definitely go to market; they'll list the properties on realestate.com. Um, we try and get them, and, and I guess our tip on that one for anyone looking for a property in this market at the moment is um, be organised, be prepared, do your homework early, and, and be confident to to actually go and make a nice, confident bid on it because um, it will sell. Uh, and it'll sell very fast. So yeah, and I think it's it's imperative for any buyer to understand the local market and definitely know what is happening in terms of previous sales. But more importantly, understand that previous sales have occurred in a different market. So if you keep missing out because you're putting in offers that might be similar to what something sold for six months ago, you may have missed the mark because the market has moved in a lot of locations since then. So you need to be applying that stretch factor, if you like, upon previous sales to understand um, where the current value sits. So that's important if you keep missing out. Make sure that you understand how much the market is moving in a particular location and also what the buyer demand is in that particular location because that will help you to position your offer when it comes to putting forward an offer. And I mean, what we do to to determine buyer demand is a number of things. Obviously, you know, we can look at data and see how many people are looking at that particular suburb based on the, the views on realestate.com compared to the Queensland average. We can turn up to multiple open homes for the same property to see how many people are turning up and how many people are inspecting those properties. That tells us how much interest there is. And usually in an auction campaign, it's always a great idea to turn up to the last inspection because serious bidders generally will go and have a look and um, and then you can do a bit of a head count to see what your competition might look like. Now, it's never guaranteed. Of course, auction day is the only day you're really going to get an indication of who's there and who's ready to bid. But um, all of the, that sort of um, information, you can collect both quantitative information based on you know search activity and qualitative in- information based on how many heads are turning up at every open for inspection. That's going to give you the best indication of real-time demand in order to position your offers. Yeah, I think the only way you can do that is actually is to be here. Um, yeah. And we're here, we're looking at it all the time. Uh, we are local to it and um, that's the only way to do it is to actually be here on the ground looking at it, talking to the local agents, catching up with the local agents, um, not just on the phone, but actually going and talking talking to them directly uh, and getting to know them really well and having that uh, relationship with them. So um, just another thing we want to just quickly touch on as well is we, we've done a bit of a, or Melinda's organised, some research, um, which she does enjoy doing, and that's some suburbs of demand in Brisbane. Yeah, so um, big shout out to Pauline who works with us um, as our executive assistant. She's put some fabulous data together that she's um, extracted from realestate.com searches on a per suburb basis. Uh, What we can see is that there's certain suburbs that are much more in demand than others here in Brisbane. They're certainly looked at a lot more on realestate.com. And then we can correlate that or overlay that with what we're seeing on the ground so that we can help uh, buyers to understand the demand based on search activity and then uh, relate that back to how many people are turning up to the auction. So there's definitely some suburbs that are more in demand than others, but I'm going to actually highlight for our Um, listeners as a bit of a bonus, the top 10 that uh, we found through our in-house research. So can we, what's, sorry, Melinda, what's the local, what's the average 
for Queensland. So when a property is listed on realestate.com, it receives an average of 714 views per property. Right. So that is the average, 714. Now, some of the suburbs, and I won't go through the number of visits per property um, for each of these suburbs, but um, some of these are receiving three and a half thousand views per sub per property in these these particular suburbs. So, you know, we've got views from around two thousand per views up to two three and a half thousand um, views per property. So that's well and truly in excess of the seven hundred and fourteen Queensland average. That's um, and what's the what sort of people? So it's it's interesting. I'm looking at these numbers, going, wow, that's. It is amazing the amount of, of views compared to the average. And who, who's looking at them? So when I look at these suburbs, and I am going to reveal them, um, what we generally find with all of these top 10 is that they are the locations where families um, are the dominant population group. So we've looked at the demographic and the dominant population group in all of these suburbs typically are older couples and families, established couples and families, and maturing couples and families. So that helps you to understand who's buying, who's driving the demand in Brisbane. It correlates very closely with the lending um, data that we're seeing in terms of owner-occupier activity as well. Um, and so here it is, the top uh, 10 based on our research. Kalinga at number one, Chandler, Shorncliffe, Holland Park, Wilston, Grange, Newmarket, Fairfield, Chelmer and Graceville. And that's it for the top 10. Obviously, we've got a ranking for every suburb in Greater Brisbane and we help our clients to understand that um, that real-time demand based on the visits per property. So um, try and get an understanding of that if you are in the market to buy. Yeah, look at those numbers. I must say, um, yes, Pauline has done a fantastic job in putting that all together and um, I'm sure you enjoy looking at it a lot more than me, but it is very interesting to actually look at, I must say. Yes, I do love data and coming from a research background, it excites me when I can look at a spreadsheet and do some correlations and and find relationships. And ultimately, you know, the data is only one piece of the puzzle. It's important to be out on the ground, you know, obtaining real-time information and that's how we can piece the whole puzzle together and get an understanding of what's really happening in the Brisbane market, um, you know, overlay that with the data and then provide these updates to help property buyers and people that already own homes here in Brisbane to really understand what's what's going on. Okay, now we normally have a little chat before we do our um, podcast and we and we talk about what we're going to talk about. I'm going to throw a bit of a left one here to Melinda, um, which I could get in trouble for later, but anyway, we'll give it a go anyway. But I, I, we get a lot of people talking to us saying, oh, the Brisbane market is just hot at the moment. It's running hot. Should I just sit and wait and watch it um, or what should I do? Yeah. If you had your crystal ball, what would your sort of thing in looking at it and saying, well, yeah, I can see what you're talking about, but what what would you say to people? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, you didn't prep me to answer this, but look, the answer is quite easy to be, to be honest. When we're looking at forecast price growth of, you know, nine and a half percent by ANZ, when we're seeing what we're seeing on the ground with the buyer depth, um, when we're looking at the economic indicators that show that the interest rates are so low and people are cashed up and borrowing is at uh, record highs and consumer sentiment is at, you know, seven-year highs, we've got to overlay all of this and get an understanding of how soon this, this um, I guess, snowball effect is going to end and it's not going to come to an end anytime soon. So if you're worried about, you know, competing in the current market, um, all I can say is that if you're waiting 
out of the market for it to settle down. When you come back into the market, you're going to be buying in at a higher price point. There's absolutely no doubt about that. We're seeing price growth in real time. That's going to be coming through in the data in the coming uh, couple of months as we see the settled sales coming through. Um, and of course, as a as a buyer, you're wanting to get the best price possible. So if you are in a position to buy and you have the capacity to borrow the money now and you've got stability of your income, then there's never a better time to buy than right now. We're definitely not going to be seeing price falls here in Brisbane anytime in the near future. You won't be able to bag a bargain. There's no um, waiting for this fiscal cliff. It's not coming. Um, so if you are in the position to buy and you have uh, the capacity to do so, I would suggest to, you know, join the others, um, get in. You'll be thanking yourself in two to three years' time because the market is shifting. Yeah, I, look, I, I have to agree, and I think you, you've nailed it there. Be confident. Um, it's a positive market. It's it's get involved, get into it. Don't miss out on it. Um, and things look really positive for uh, for Brisbane. So, and all, all I can say is, if you're having trouble and you keep missing out and you don't know how fast the market's moving you know, use professionals to help you. And that's what our service does. We are here to help uh, coach people through this, to help them understand value and to provide them access to opportunities that would not otherwise be available to them because we are able to show them pre-market and off-market properties that they won't see themselves. So um, feel free to get in touch if you're wanting to to find out how we can help. Yeah, definitely. Here to help. Um, It's a big investment. So I'd suggest definitely um, be confident, get the help and, um, and upwards and onwards. So, look, that's about it for our wrap today. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. hope there's some helpful tips and information. If there's anything you need, feel free to reach out. Until next time, take care and bye for now. Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. I hope that you've got some value out of today's market update. I certainly love pulling the data together and um, providing this summary for you each month. So please share this podcast with friends and family who are interested in Brisbane property. It is the only podcast that is specifically talking about Brisbane. And I'm sure if you're getting a lot of value, um, you wouldn't mind leaving us a review. So if that's the case, please head over to iTunes and um, leave us a review. Tell us what you like and um, we would certainly appreciate that. Until next time, take care. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and, of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.